Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Brian J. Henderson. And I'm your co-host, Gregory Turner. Greg, how are you today? Man, I'm blessed. How are you? Man, I can't complain at all. <laughs> you know, I had a long, busy, crazy, wow, and wonderful day. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I I had a good weekend as well, man. It was time for us to relax. We've been doing this show and not taking any time off, and this past weekend was just one of those times, man, where we could just go and enjoy the time away from everybody, just being with our family. Yes, yeah. What Greg is talking about is we went to the Florida Classic, BCU, actually, at Bethune Cookman University, versus the Florida A and M Rattlers, and uh. The Rattlers kind of took one on the chin, but nevertheless, it was a great, fun-filled weekend. <laughs> I had an opportunity to spend time with family. But, uh, you know, I, it, that's my brother and I, this is our annual event. We've been doing it for 10 years together. And for the first time, my 15-year-old nephew came and hung out with us. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had a ball. Good, good. And uh, we we stayed in a really nice, big, expensive, probably could never afford it again hotel. Yes, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. No, but it was it was great experience. Great yeah. experience. Brian, I I I had a conversation with a young lady while I was down there. Uh, she was dealing with some issues. She talked about her youth, and it was just amazing that the things that she went through. And we're gonna get into some of the things that she talked about with our guests tonight our special guest tonight and brian the the main thing that she talked about the most important thing or the problem the thing that she had the biggest problem with was being able to forgive those that hurt her that's such a big issue that's such a big topic that's one of the things that people uh they don't really understand it's like how do you forgive someone that hurt you and when i say hurt you i mean as a child someone that that molested a kid and that kid is growing up with that and they can't tell anyone and and now this monster is so big it's controlling their life and they can't they feel that they can't have a husband they just don't look at me in the same way they don't trust us and you know and and vice versa it could be the same with with little boys now that's happening to them yeah so but I, i know you you've talked with someone that's dealt with a forgiveness issue but it is a wonderful and powerful tool once we understand it and learn how to use it, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. You know, the the one thing that's so intriguing about forgiveness is that when people begin to really wrap their hands around what forgiveness does for them mm-hmm. and does to them, see, it's probably the easiest thing to do but the hardest thing to say. Yes. You know, and when I mean that, I mean... You know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I forgive you. They say it all the time, but, you know, when they when they say it, a lot of times it's just lip service. It's not real, mm-hmm. you know. And so when they really come to grips with the fact that they're forgiving someone and they really believe that they've forgiven them and they can look at that person and not feel, you know, any animosity or any anger towards them, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a beautiful thing. And you know what, Brian? When a person goes through something like this, our Creator. Now, that's something that you're going to hear tonight. It's almost impossible not to talk about our Creator. He's the one that gets us through all of these things. And we're going to have our guest. We're going to have her join us again. Uh, she's going to be on the show, and we will let everybody know when she's going to come on, and she's just going to lay it down. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a good time. So, Brian, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) But, you know, I was reading about Oprah, Brian, and I heard Oprah say the most wonderful thing that she was able to do was the hardest thing that she ever had to deal with, and that is learning to forgive the person that molested her as a child. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, you look back on that and you say, wow, she didn't do anything wrong, but as a kid, you think you've done something wrong when that happened. And now you don't want to tell any of your family members about it because you don't want anyone getting in trouble, and you don't want anyone else to feel the way that you 
felt, then again, that person may have uh, said something, well, if you say anything, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, and now you're guilty and you're holding on to that. Yeah. It's such a hard thing. My goodness. Hmm. So, Brian, I know you've dealt, you've talked with kids. I know you've talked with women. We've had women on the show before that that talked about this, this very same issue. What what do you have to say about it, Brian? I know I know you're just chomping at the bits to jump in. You know, when I when I think about you know the issue of someone being molested or someone being you know raped or you know somebody doing something that's just so heinous and and evil and and mean and bad, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's hard to really put you. It's it's hard for me personally to just put my finger on it and say. You know, after I know what you did, you know, I forgive you. It's it's not an you know, like I said, it's the easiest thing, but it's also the hardest thing to do. Yes, it is. Yes. You know, it's it's very difficult to really, you know, put it in your mindset when 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 it's happened to you. It's easy for me to say. It's easy for me to, you know, talk about it. But once it happens. You know, once it happens to you, that's really when you when you have to really buckle down and say, "Okay, I got to take this step out here." You know, and a lot of times we don't know where to go. We don't know what to step or what steps to take. And so, with that, I want you to bring our our guest on tonight, Greg. Yes, <laughs> I know. I think you, she you... has some. I think she has something to say about that. Yeah, I know, Brian. I know you've just been waiting on waiting for me to do that. <laughs> yeah. Tonight, our our special guest is best-selling author Fionn Davis, and the topic for tonight's show is "It's Not About Me." Again, the topic is "It's Not About Me." Miss Davis, are you there? Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> oh, doing good. Doing thank good. you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Yes, you heard us talking about forgiveness. You heard us talking about someone that was, uh, you know, you, you were molested as a as a child. And you know, there's there's people out there right now that are listening, and I'm sure they want to know what they can do. You know, that parents, what can they do to prevent something like this from happening to their children? And and I'm gonna say this before you try to answer. You know. Brian and I, we talk all the time, and we talk about these issues all the time, and I can tell you there's no hurt like family hurt. There's no hurt like family hurt. So how can, uh, you know, how can parents today prevent something like this from happening? Um, I would say, first off, we've got to put everything in our lives in God's hands. So therefore, I would say that, a lot of prayer and a lot of love from the family to knowing that what they're going through is not every person's nightmare, but a blessing will come out of it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, um, I would say that uh, it takes time to heal, and what is on earth is not in God's time. Mm-hmm. So therefore... Um, when going through any type of trauma, whether it be rape or molestation, um, a lot of prayer and uh, a lot of time. Mm-hmm. What, what, what about what about the parents that, you know, they just trust family members and they just take them over and they just drop their kids off and they think because this is family, this thing won't happen. But you know, I'm, I know you're aware of the situation that happened to Oprah. I don't know who did the, the ugly thing to you. Um, but it was a family member that did it to Oprah. Mm-hmm. What what do you what do you think uh, as far as family? What do you think, or how sh- should we do this, or, or should we just say, okay, the girls go to the older ladies and the boys go to the to the men? But then again, you still have uh, that thing now where people are molested, the boys are being molested by the men and the girls are being molested by the women. Those things are still happening. So it's almost as if, you, you know, it's we're in a catch-22. What what do we do? 
Well, um, for the parents, I would think the best thing we could all do is tell someone. If it's not a family member, maybe it's a friend, and they can actually tell the, the parents. And as the parents uh, get this information of this, they can um, go to the right channel as far as court and whatnot. But it, it was even with debt, there has to be a... Uh, spiritual awareness about what the child's going through. Yeah. Some parents they may not feel comfortable uh, pursuing it legally because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, the child may uh, psychologically go through a withdrawal or go through certain pains and mentally. Mm-hmm. So it's spiritually and mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. So you need to think about that aspect before you go to other channels as far as legally and um, if that something that they should go after, you know, mm-hmm. far as for the child's benefit or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about, I can remember a couple of years ago where there was a, a young boy that was in karate class with my son. And um, it had to be about four or five years ago, so my son will soon be 11. And this little boy was five, my son was six. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, the little boy, him, he and my son played together all the time. And his mother confided in me one day, and she said that her son had been going through some issues, and that's why she brought him to karate class. You know, we were sitting there talking, waiting for the kids to finish. And she talked about how she, um, you know, she had mostly girls, and she only had, you know, one son, and he was the youngest. And there was a lady in the neighborhood that, you know, he would always go over there and, and his, you know, his sisters would hang out with the lady. And she wasn't like a much older lady. She was like 21, 22. And, you know, he had older sisters that were like 15, 14, 12 or whatever. And they were always hanging out at this lady's house. And they found out that he had been molested by that lady mm. because he, in turn, had molested a four-year-old cousin, and he did to the little cousin what the lady did to him. And so, you know, you would you would think that, you know, okay, this is a five-year-old kid, and, you know, who does that? Mm-hmm. You know, but the reality is this happens all the time, mm-hmm. and it, it is difficult to kind of police it because here it is, here's someone that you're trusting Exactly. You know, she had never tried to touch any other other of the uh, daughters. Mm-hmm. You know, but yet and still, she she goes after the, the little boy. You know, and you would think, oh, if anything, she would try to go after those, you know, older kids or older little, you know, or something. You know, but you see, when she goes after this little boy, and he doesn't say anything because he doesn't know it's wrong. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. You know, so what do you do? Because you got to think about it. He's a little boy. He's trusting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he thought it was a game. Exactly. Or he thought it was something that was okay because he turned around and did it to another kid. Mm-hmm. You know, so where do you go? What, what do you do to, to try to prevent that? Do you start teaching them about, you know, the dangers as early as five years old? You know, because to, to me, I like in my in my case, I can talk to any kid and put it in a way, you know, talk about that and put it in a manner and a way where they they will understand. Right. You know, but not everybody is equipped to do that. Right. So you tell us, what do you think the best practice is? Do you try to tell the kid as young as five, four or five years old, you know, or do you try to just hope that nothing happens to them until they're old enough to truly understand? Well, and I don't know if anybody's special, but I would I would hope and pray that they would talk with a child as soon as they learn uh, as a, a child at two or three years old and say, when you feel uncomfortable, something ain't right. Uh, someone touch you in an inappropriate area. You can give an example on a dog. Run, shout, fire, uh, tell a, uh, a friend. If they, you know, because I know that as a child they have imaginary friends and whatnot, and 
they may feel like, okay, this is a game, as you say, but mentally and physically, they're just growing. They don't know uh, a lot of things that adults may know, but what we can do is let them know at a young age that this is inappropriate. This is wrong. No, no. Uh, as I was a child, my mother taught me that when somebody do something they don't feel right or it isn't right, you tell someone, you tell me. I don't care how dramatic, you know, bad it is, tell me, you know. And and that is a, a best way we can do it, the best way we can go about it. You know what, um, Ms., Mrs. Davis, you know, so this is happening so much now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched the thing on the pedophiles on MSNBC. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's a sickness with these people. Yeah. And now you're having uh, the schools, it's so sad, the public schools and the private schools, they have to hire security guards after the, before and after the schools to zone it off to just just so these kids, you know, they can't, people can't just uh, kidnap them. And these kids are going to school to learn. And, and we're talking about children. Yeah. What in the world? Uh, this has to be a sickness. And the sad thing about it, uh, Brian and I, we were talking about the, the predator thing on MSNBC, on the news, and there's another channel as well. And some of the people, it was their third and fourth time. Yeah. How in the world do you get off three and four times from something like this but then when you have a Michael Vick in Atlanta or in Virginia, wherever the dogfight thing took place, and now he's going to prison, but these people are getting off scot-free. Yes. How in the world is that happening? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it, it's so sad that uh, a, a child can't be a child. Mm-hmm. They're being thrown into an adult world, and, you know, being an adult is tough enough, but to throw a child in an adult world to molest them, you know that 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 has to be a very very painful uh, mental. I mean, it's almost like a prison. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, and I know that a lot of kids in school they act out, they do certain things. And I know there are signs they give teachers signs. They're just signs that teachers they pick up on. Mm-hmm. And you know, when this happened to you, how old? How you know when you were molested? How old were you? I was actually five years old. You know what, Brian? Our last we had a, a it's something about that age five. I don't know what it is, Brian. You yeah. remember we had a couple people come on, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of women authors, and it happened to them at the age at of age five. five. I, I I just don't know. I don't, I don't understand that. But you were five, and and I know that you were in a little dark world after something like that happened. Did you keep it to yourself, or, or did you? Did you tell or did you just go on a shell? What what happened? Um, as a five year old, I, I I had basically a disability learned disability world where it's hard for me to speak a certain mm-hmm. way. And and that in itself is my disadvantage as a, a five year old child. So knowing that I was taught if something bad happened, tell your mom on dad. So in my mind I thought that was something that I didn't understand that was, you know, wrong or right. Therefore, as a baby, you're thinking, that's family. Why is they doing this to you mentally? Mm-hmm. You know, you want to get away. You want to, you know, it's just a, a frozen state that that child may be in. Mm-hmm. And they may w- reaching out for someone to come to rescue them. And uh, in that state like that, it can be very traumatic for a child like that. Mm-hmm. And to share something like that as a child, it's just maybe a learning tool for parents that maybe they they can take some initiative somewhere, somehow, you know, and, and try to reach to the child, you know, to watch them, to uh, stay in touch with them, whoever they leave the child with, and kind of be familiar with the surroundings. Something isn't right, it's not right. Mm-hmm. Just like a duck quacks, it's a duck. <laughs> right, right. You know what? I, as as I read Oprah Winfrey's bio, I, I gave a speech to a school in front of in, with 
with this, with some kids. Mm-hmm. And as I was giving the speech, and I never told them who it was. Mm-hmm. It's it's like sometimes with some of us that the things that that are the worst things that could ever happen to a person. Sometimes that thing will propel that person into a totally different world. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone like Oprah. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing that happened to her, it's a, but it is a solution for somebody else that's coming after her. Right. It's almost as if Oprah is saying, you know, I'm the example of what can be mm-hmm. after all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think that that happens to a lot of women. Yes. And their self-esteem is so low mm-hmm. because they feel like this person has taken all of their power and all of their control yeah. and they violated them in a way that I think men just can't understand it, I guess, unless something like that happens to them. Exactly. And a lot of men, you know, they'll do it. They go out on dates and, and, and this stuff happens and to them. It's, oh, she wanted it. And they go on about their business and here this woman is, left to try to pull all of this back together and live a normal life, and it's almost impossible for her to do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a really sad thing. So when, when it happened to you at the age of five, mm-hmm. did it happen at a later age in your life, or did you ever have to deal with it again? Uh, no. Um, at the age of five it happened, and um, when my parents find out, I, I believe that being around this person, I distant myself. Mm-hmm. I also knew in my heart and spirit that this person I cannot trust. But your trust is already in God's hands. So therefore, uh, being around this person was not acceptable. So I would say, too, that this person tried again other times uh, in my life. Mm. Uh, but I've, I've got the power one day to uh, get away from this person, which I thank God, and I told my mother about what happened, and this person uh, was not to be around me or my family when I was with my family. So uh, in that, I didn't let that uh, stop me from writing spiritually or uh communicating with others, as well as going on each day. You know, I didn't want to get the power to that person. Right. So, therefore, uh, that's what got me through it. Hmm. You know, I, I want to change gears just a little bit, just a little bit. Let's talk about someone, um, let's talk about, like, in relationships and how people you know, go through that and, you know, they go through the part, the, the broken side of a relationship and then they have to deal with that person again. Mm-hmm. You know, have, have have you gone through that experience? Not just like with a, like, let's, not, not necessarily with a love interest or anything, with just people in general. Like somebody who you had, who was a good friend of yours or someone you trusted and then that relationship was severed, you know, and you had, you know, because of maybe something that went on, you know, can you tell us a little bit about what you would have done in that situation or have you gone through that situation? Uh, personally, I, it's hard to believe, but I never dated. So <laughs> as far as relation with a man, a male, and uh, myself, uh, I always kept my uh, focus on my academics, on a spiritual heightness, if you will. Um, I was always quiet, so... Um, I always was sensing things, mm-hmm. and if I don't know the person, I would sense something wasn't right as far as mentally, you know, spiritually, and I was always the type of person that will help others. So it wasn't about just me all the time. Right. It was about how I can do to help someone else. Right. Mm. Wow, that's <laughs> that's amazing. You 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 know, it's you you you're putting yourself. After other people, and that's that's something, you know, that's something that you just don't see anymore. You don't see a lot of people trying to help, and uh, you know, they're always it's about me. I need to get me. I need to do these things. But it is such a blessing, and it's a wonderful thing that you know you're out there. You're writing books. Uh, you're doing all these things to help other people, and I love the poems that you've written. 
and I know that you're going to write some more books to bless other people, and it's a wonderful thing. I, you know, like Brian said, in uh, relationships, it's you have so many uh, people that are being raped now on both sides, men as well as women. You know, the the numbers are going through the roof. And Brian is Brian teaches. He's cert, he's certified to teach about HIV/AIDS and awareness and abstinence and all those types of things. So Brian can probably touch on that a little bit more than I can. And Brian, I want to ask you. You know, when you guys are testing uh, people now, I know there's not an age limit. I don't think, but and we there, live in there Florida. There actually is an age limit. Oh, it is. Yeah, they, we can't test anyone younger than age 12 without consent. Mm-hmm. Mm. But we have had some that have come with consent and have been tested that were younger. My goodness. And I know, and I know you guys can't ask certain questions. Uh, uh, why is this kid being tested? At, why do you think we need to test this kid at such a young age? Because they they may something they may say something. Well, he was raped, but or she was raped, and I didn't report it. And, and I'm sure you guys are held liable at this point to report uh, the incident. Right. Well, so there's you, there's some things that we have to keep confidential because of HIPAA compliance, you know, and a lot of it we just because um, again we're also counseling as we are testing, mm-hmm. and so we're going to ask certain questions and with even with uh, and as a rule, I know the organization that I work with, we typically don't test kids that are younger than age twelve unless their parents give consent, but even with that, it has to be a confidential test, Mm. you know, but we do ask certain questions about, like, their sexual histories and so forth, and so these are some questions that, you know, frankly, kids get uncomfortable with answering, and so, you know, especially if it's like, let's say I'm, you know, as a male, I'm testing a young female, she may not be comfortable with answering the questions that I ask about her sexual history. You know, I've actually had that with some college students that didn't want to answer the questions because they're like, hey, you know, uh, you know, you're a man. I don't want to tell you what I've done. You know, you think I'm out there or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, typically I would test men. I would test men and women, but I would just take whatever answer they gave me. I'd still ask all the right, all the questions, you know, and, and also, you know, alert them to the dangers if they're, you know, out there doing, you know, things that put them at risk, you know, I, I, you know, I, and what I try to do is I try to talk to them and advise them. I don't tell them, hey, you need to stop doing that or you don't need to do this. You know, I try to advise them, do you think that's the smartest thing? And I basically put the ownership on what they're doing back in their hands because they have the power anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we do have, you know, situations where, People are uncomfortable with giving us their, you know, their what what they've been through and what they've done. I can remember where it was this one young lady, and as I began to ask the questions, she began to cry. Mm-hmm. You know, and immediately I knew that something was wrong. Right. And I wasn't really sure what it was, but you know, she was basically saying that you know, and she basically confided in me you know, about a situation that happened in her life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do? You know, because it wasn't just that she was coming to get this test, but she thought that she had contracted, you know, she thought she had it. Mm-hmm. And it was because of something that happened with her. And so, you know, it it was really, it was that was an awkward moment for me because normally you don't have people to break down while they're taking the test. Actually, that's the only time that's ever happened to me. You know, because I'm thinking, wow, you know, what do you do? Somebody's confiding in you. You don't want to give them your thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to give them what they need. Right. You know, but how do you not give them what, how do you give them what they need without putting part of what you have, you know, Mm-hmm. With it, you know, because I could have told her, well, you know, you need to modify your behavior. But then she comes out and says, well, look, I was doing something stupid and this happened, you know, and I think I might have it. And then she, you know, she go, and then she starts to cry, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. So when emotions get into certain things, 
you know, I'm, and I'm going to ask you this: What do you do when you when you're faced with a situation that you know you don't want to emotionally involve yourself in it, but you want to get this person to the point of forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I will have to say that uh, they have to reach in their heart and the compassion because that love is a weapon. Uh, that that weapon is love, period, because that's something that uh, that will get you through it. Uh, I want to say too that uh, through prayer, for foremost, um, and I know that there's some that's not Christians out there as well. Um, I would think that uh, deep within what time and as well as with their own personal uh, struggle. They had to come to a certain level when they ready. Uh, also, knowing that they will forgive for themselves, so they will have peace. It's not about giving peace to that other person that done them wrong, but it's just peace for themselves because they better live on despite what happened and move on and yes. grow. Yes. You know what? It, it, it in today's society, if you, you turn the news on. All you see on there, you see a lot of people on there wanting revenge. It just seems like we live in a world now where everybody wants to get even for mm-hmm. whatever reason happened in their lives. And all of us have seen when uh, a family member was killed by someone and they're in prison now and they're looking at being executed. Mm-hmm. And you, you see how questions are being asked to the family and the family members are upset and they're angry and they want this person put to death. You know, so that makes it so much harder for a person that, that's been raped or a family member that was killed and they see that on television and that's all they see is revenge, get even, get even, get back at this person. And they're holding on to that. And it's and, and it's and this thing is spreading like a cancer and it's almost destroying the person uh that was raped and they didn't do anything wrong. They're carrying this guilt, and they're so upset and they're so angry. All they want to do is get even, but you know what? They don't want to face this person in court because a lot of times they say, I'll have to relive the entire situation. Yeah. I would have to relive the entire experience, and that person's lawyer is going to treat me as if I did something wrong. Exactly. And that and you know that woman will be attacked. Mm-hmm. You know she will be attacked. And for those you know for the for the women out there that is you know that it didn't happen to, and they get up there and they lie and say it happened to them and it didn't. It make it so much harder right. for the next person that's coming up that it really did happen to. Exactly. And it's such a it's such a sad sad thing. You know when you were molested at the age of five, I'm going to ask you this, and I know. Um, Brian probably probably was going to ask you later, but did your parents uh, file charges against this person? Um, personally, no. Um, I guess it's more so but the decision of my parents. Um, I feel like I couldn't file charges, I guess, at the age I am now because I feel like it's in God's hands. Okay. Um, I know this person uh, in the family. I know some history of this person. I know why, uh, spiritually, mentally, why this person did what they done. I don't uh, hate this person. I never did. Um, I know that it's a blessing that has come out in my life for all of this I've been through, the rape and the molestation in my life. Um, one of the things that anything that has happened to me, whether it was a minor thing, a disagreement, I always knew in my heart that that love and that compassion is my weapon. Mm. And, and that's, that is the truth and uh, how I get coped through a lot of things, you know. But that's my weapon right there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we have with us tonight best-selling author Dion Davis. If anyone has a comment or a question or they just want to chime in on the conversation, our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 
718-508-9600. You know, I was just thinking, it's just amazing that, you know, and, and because I've seen this happen and I've heard about things that have happened, you know, to people where they were molested or, you know, and for some reason nobody decide they decide, oh, because it was a family member or, oh, because they knew that person really well, they just want to kind of keep it quiet. And they don't want everybody to know what happened. So they don't press charges or they don't say anything or they kind of sweep it under the table and it becomes, a, you know, that, that secret. You know, I mean, I can even recall some situations where a person was molested, you know, at, and they were, you know, as a teenager, they were molested by a family member like an uncle or something like that, and they got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they ended up having a child, and the family was like, you know, some of the family members knew, but not all of them knew, yeah. you know, what had happened, and yet they, they scorned the teenager. You know, they just basically... Oh, you out there and you in the streets and you're a little this and you're no good and you're, no, and you're that and this. And the little girl basically just had to take it because she was told not to say anything. Yes. That's happened a lot, Brian. That's happened a lot. You know, I mean, what do you, I mean, as, and, I mean, when you think about the mindset of a child who's been victimized or anybody who's been victimized, and then they were told, you have to keep silent. You know, I mean, it's just, I mean, where do you, how, do you, how do you keep silent when your body, when, when, your, when the insides are screaming for help? I, I would say um, with that, I, I think it depends on... Um, the child mentally, you know, if they feel able to uh, express their feelings uh, in a positive way or a spiritual way, I think that's very important needed because that child may not can express it because when they were told by the parent not to speak about this, uh, they may feel like uh, they were protecting the child's welfare and well-being. Uh, that may be the case. But at the same time, that I think what's important is not only to have a, a basic foundation of spiritual or through the Creator, but also maybe some counseling for that child to grow up. Because as a child grow up, he may not, him or her may not understand why they're feeling this way, right. what their mind may go through, flashbacks. They right. may go through, they may go through a certain symptoms that they may not be aware of. You know what, Ms. Davis, and, and please forgive me, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. They, I was watching on television, and I saw some guys come on television. There was about three guys on, on the news, and they were filing charges uh, against someone that molested them when they were little. Mm-hmm. And these guys were in their 40s. Mm-hmm. So I think there must not be a statute of limitation on something like this. Uh, am I correct, Brian? You know, I'm not sure. I think different states have different statutes mm-hmm. of limitations, so it depends on the state. But I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about the issue with the, uh, oh, well, they were all over the country. Yes, it was with happening. With the uh, archdiocese and, um, and the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times, while that may have happened to them when they were, you know, that young, a lot of those retaliations, so to speak, were money-motivated. I mean, because what purpose were they going to serve, you know, by trying to sue the archdiocese when some, uh, for something that happened to them 45, you know, 30, 40 years ago? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to retaliate or are you seeking closure? I mean, because I don't think that that money is going to make you feel any better than you would have if the person just came back and said, you know what, I'm sorry. I guess what I my, did to you was wrong, yeah. and I shouldn't have done it. 
Yes. I so guess my, a lot of that, I believe, is money motivated. Because why would you wait 40 years? Why would you wait 30 years and then as soon as somebody decides, hey, I want to sue? You know, because you know we're in a litigious, you know, everybody wants to sue everybody. I guess it's kind of hard for us to say the intent. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I, it, I I guess it's I guess it's kind of hard for us to figure out if they're trying to sue for the money. I know what you're saying, Brian. You're absolutely right. It, it, how do we know the intent of the person? What, how, you know, but then again, we can also say that that person has every right mm-hmm. to sue. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know. We don't know. And then again, it, it may not have happened. Right. How, how can you? Prove it unless this person has been doing something like this before. But Brian, you know, unless you know. the person says, you know, what I mean, because unless there's physical proof, mm-hmm. it's really a he said she said thing. Or unless there's someone who who was a verifiable witness, and so that's what makes it kind of difficult to try those cases. Yes. You know, Greg, I want to go to a caller. Okay, go ahead. Because I want to see what the caller has to say about this. And we have a caller from the 407 area code. Caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Chime in for us. Tell us, what do you think about that? That's a really difficult topic. Because as you as you said, you know, it's 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 more, it comes down, unless there's physical evidence, it comes down to he say, she say. Right. And um you know, sexuality is one of the strongest uh impulse that we have, you know. And um I've just seen so many things from so many different angles. My daughter was molested and um um people wanted me to hate my husband instantly and they wanted me to um, make all these, you know, make a lot of decisions instantly, and I couldn't. I was kind of stunned at, at, you know, for a while, but I forgave him instantly because, for years prior to the molestation, I had been doing some studying on just on basic human behavior and sexuality. So I kind of already knew, uh, from a different standpoint. Um, how things like that could happen, how they do happen, how raw emotions gets into it. It's not always from abuse, but sometimes it's just a lack of being able to control um, yourself, you know, or allowing yourself to be ignorant to to certain things. And um, so I see it from a lot of standpoints because I've lived different aspects of it. My sister was... Um, not only was she sexually abused, but she continued in the relation in that I don't want to call it a relationship, but she continued with it. It became mutual. Um, he did touch her and whatnot, and because of the lack of love she felt at home, um, that thing went all the way up until she was in an adult age. You know, I think she was in an apartment. The last time he come to try her. She was in her own apartment. She was in her uh, early 20s. And he wanted to continue on the sex thing they had together. So, um, again, I see it I see it from so many different standpoints. It just, it just totally freaks me out. I was telling Gregory, I said, I, sometimes I just don't want to even imagine being with a man again or having a man in my house or around me because it, it seems like, um, these men believe these primal urges or instincts are just natural, and they're supposed to, and they're going to die without it, and all of this foolishness. It just it drives me crazy, really. You, so you, I guess my question would be, how would a person like me that's seen it all, how do I could possibly get past it after seeing it all? My goodness. <laughs> did you did have, caller, did you... Go to counseling? Did you seek counseling at all, you and your daughter? Tons of it. Tons how, of it. How old was your daughter? She was 14. At the time that this, this, this incident happened? Yes, and I was home. Everybody was home. We were all home. Um, we almost did. We almost tended to not to believe her because we were all home. Then the next morning he said to her, 
do you need some some lunch money? And she said, yeah. He says, well, he'd come up the steps and he'd, um, she, he handed her the money and she went off to school. No tears, no nothing. So when noon came and I got that phone call, I'm thinking, what in the world? When I was, I had the flu. I was sick upstairs with the flu. And she was downstairs. We were all downstairs first. But I kept getting so sick, I said, I'm going to go on upstairs and, and, and take a nap. And um, all of them were laying around watching TV and they were kind of like, falling in and out of sleep. So I said, what could have possibly happened when I'm everyone is in the house? I couldn't believe it. So he um I asked him to tell me and um I didn't want to hear him over the phone, so I said, just just write it down and, and mail it to me. Wow. And then in the letter he confessed that he did. He had called her downstairs when everybody had kinda like fell asleep, he called her downstairs in the basement. Were the charges filed? Um, yes, he got locked up the next day. Okay. So now, um, let me ask you this. How are you and your daughter right now? Brian and I, we have uh, some phone numbers. We have your number, um, and we can get you um, the help that you need, you and your daughter. Both of you, I, I think, need counseling. Did the counseling not help with you guys or did you continue or did you stop going? What happened? Um, we continued for a while, and um, I did eventually stop because I thought that we were all better. Right. <laughs> I just thought we had gotten to the point of say, well, we don't need to go anymore because we're all better. But then she is she's going through this different stages of anger. Yeah, and I'm I'm realizing that it's, it's it's heightening now. It's not. It's just she goes in and out of these really weird phases. Like the first picture she ever drew, I had to look at it twice because it was a a, a picture of a person biting a penis. But I had told her right after it happened, I said, "How could you have not? I, you know, I didn't fuss at her, but I said, how could you have not protected yourself? Why didn't you bite him?'" You know, why, when he did that, why didn't you bite him? Because that's what he did. He had her perform on him. Yes. And, call, um, call her. We're, go, we're going to, Brian and I, we have your number. We're definitely going to call you immediately after the show, and we're going to give you the uh, phone numbers that we have to get you the help that you need. And I think uh, you guys need to continue on through the counseling and, and, until it's complete, until the doctor release you at, uh, at some point. But uh, we're definitely going to call you immediately after the show, and we thank you so much for calling in and being uh, brave and, and open and talking with us. But we're definitely going to call you right after the show, okay? Yes, thank you. Okay. Yes, Brian, I think we have other callers on right now. Yes, let's go to the caller. And caller before that, we, we really appreciate your call, and we'll definitely call you. Yes. Uh, let's go to the caller in the 704 area code. Seven zero four. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Chime in. Okay. Um. You know, you said something about um. Wait, let me um just mute this this um so I don't you you won't get any feedback. Okay. 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 Um. You said something earlier about you know it's gonna be a word of mouth. You know, between the the accused and the accuser. We live in a world where, you know, kids at that age, you know, basically you're not expecting them to be sexually active. Yes, right. So one of the first things that parents can do if they suspect that is take the child to a doctor, and the doctor can tell you if that child is being molested or not. Yes. And, you know, because even if there's no, no, no DNA evidence, you know, once a woman or a child is being sexually active, you know, a doctor can tell you that. Yes, yeah, that's okay. And um, I'm sure we all know that. Yeah. And not only that, you have specialists, psychologists, you know, that you can ask the, ask the child questions. You know, how did he touch you? What did he do? You know, the, 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 the questions that will bring out the answer that only if the event occurred that the child could give you such an answer. 
You know, so we have to be careful how we um, not believe or not listen to child because the first thing the 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 offender is going to do is say that if you tell your mommy, the first thing she's going to do is that, you know, she's going to say you're lying or nobody's going to believe you or because I'm an adult and you're a child and everybody know you're lying. The, the, the offender is going to try everything to do uh, to manipulate that child mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to have a communication with your child where that child is able to come to you and say, Mommy, this happened or that happened, and not fearing that they're going to get in trouble. Because kids often don't tell their parents things because they think that it's their fault. And that is one of the main things that the accuser is going to tell them, that everybody's going to think that is your fault. That is so true. And you have to be able to tell the child that, listen, whatever it is, is not your fault. And you have to display that by there's certain things that your kids will do. You tell them to, um, you know, take out the garbage or do their room. And, you know, not every time the child don't do everything that you tell them to do, mm-hmm. it's not always good to punish the child because those are the things that let them refrain from telling you things because they figure, okay, well, every time I get in trouble, I get a punishment, and no child wants to be punished. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you have to have that kind of relationship with your child where Absolutely. the child knows that, listen, not everything that happened to you is your fault, and if someone do, and you have to tell the child these things too, that if somebody touch you here or touch you there, that is wrong. Mm-hmm. You need to let me know that. Exactly. You know, and it's not, and express it in every way possible. Let them know that, listen, this is not something you're going to get in trouble for. Right. This is not something that is your fault. And, and you're, you, you're not the one to blame. Mm-hmm. You know, let me know what's going on with you. Because if you don't have that kind of communication with your child, then they're going to always be subjected to, you know, regardless, if you decide that you're not going to get into another relationship, it's not always going to come from a relationship. It can be just someone you know. It can be a family member. Mm-hmm. Because so often, you know, you, you, you hear about these things, and when you really check it out sometimes, it's a it's an uncle or an older brother or an older nephew or, or, or you know, it's, it's not always a stranger. It's not always someone that you, you bring into the home. Mm-hmm. So the communication is 100% key with the child. And, you know, once you you start there, you're on a good start. And if you suspect something, you know, because there are going to be changes in that child. Right. You know, I heard you said something about her. You know, she um, took the money and, you know, he asked and she, she even went and took the money and went to school and said nothing. Because he already threatened her. Yeah, yeah. He already put every fear possible yeah. in, in, in that child mentally. He, do, he, he doesn't have, he already physically hurt her. Exactly. You understand? And that physical hurt alone is enough to, to make her reclusive. Yeah. And once she becomes reclusive physically, it, it doesn't take much to make her reclusive mentally. Exactly. So it just take. oh, it's your fault. And then mommy's not going to be happy because mommy's going to be alone. And, you know, all kind of different things that you can possibly think of to, to, to make that child be silent. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Major, major, major important points that you made. I mean, it's, it's right on point. It's right on point. Yeah. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. And um, this, this is Brian Lynch you were talking to in the chat yeah, room. I figured that. I figured <laughs> it. We're definitely going to contact you right after the show. I have your number. I see it on the screen. Yeah. I definitely have that. Uh, you know what? I forget to put my phone number in the um, email. That's okay. But yeah, you okay. can always we'll email me and, um, you know, we can talk. Yes, we will. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. I'll be listening. I'm going to hang up and listen. Thank okay. you. Okay. <laughs> Man, excellent point. Excellent, excellent point. Excellent. We're going to go now to the caller in a 206 area code. 
206. Are you there? I am here. Talk Good. to us. Good evening. This is Dr. Linda Bede calling. Hey. Hey. How, How are, are you? you? Thank you. I wanted to commend Ms. Davis for writing this book and taking the opportunity to express to the public the severity of what is happening to our generation. I have not had to deal with this personally, but I have a a close friend whose family was so severely affected by this. Oftentimes when something happens within the family, there are those who feel responsible. So in order to cover that up, what they will do is they make this a secret. And what I watched was this young lady who had been molested by uh, the father of a child she was babysitting, became pregnant. They kept it quiet. They sent her away. She had the child. She came back to the family. But later they actually adopted that child, and she had to not only suffer in silence what had happened to her, but she had to grow up in the home with that child and people being told that that child was her adopted sister. And I watched over the years, I watched her become an alcoholic. I just watched her totally go down. And we need to understand that we don't have control over what other people do, but we do have control over how we handle the situation. Mm -hmm. And we cannot think of this as an individual assault. Because when God looks at us, he never looks at us as individuals. He sees us as generations. And I, unfortunately, have seen what has happened to the purpose of each one of these people as time has gone by. So, again, Ms. Davis, I commend you for what you are doing. Thank you you so much for for calling in. Thank you. Ms. Davis, you have anything? Yes, uh, I would just like to say that I appreciate the caller just called. Mm-hmm. And um, i like to say, too, that uh, that uh, a lot of the, what Lady just said is, is so true. Uh, a lot of things that happen like that is, is just so traumatic for a child or even a teenager like that. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but we can always can uh, get the necessary psychological help that we could get for that child, yeah. whether it be part of life or art of life, as long as they get yeah. Yes, yes. Miss Davis, we have about two minutes left in the show. We, we're we going to have you back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been getting emails like crazy. We're definitely going to have you back on, and we're going to go more into depth to uh, what it is that you do. And we also want um, you to give out your information so people can go in and buy your books or read your poems. We want your information out there as much as possible. We're going to do this until we bring you back on. But now when we do bring you back on, we're going to have a party. <laughs> Ryan knows what I mean. But, Ms. Davis, if someone wanted to get in contact with you for maybe speaking engagements or to buy your book, how can they get in contact with you? Well, they can go to my website called uh, com. Uh, they can also reach me by email, spiritfreewithin at yahoo.com. Um, anything that they uh, like to know as far as the book, uh, they're available by mail order or credit card. Mm-hmm. And uh, a free gift comes with it also. Wow. A 10% goes to the church as well as to the charity. Yes. Brian? Yes, sir. Do you have anything for Ms. Davis? I know you do. You know, I just want to close the show out by saying thank you for joining us, and we're definitely going to have you on again, and it will hopefully be very soon because I'm I'm just excited and I'm ready. I'm ready to have this conversation. (laughs) But uh, I want to close out by saying it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what our lives can do for other people. It's about when we reveal their innermost secrets that hurt, that have hurt us, that have tormented us, we become freer and we also give others the key to unlock 
their mental prison. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you and we hope you will listen to us on Wednesday. Good evening and God bless. You are rosa now we can tell of glory and grace as we stand in this holy place. It's only because of Calvary.